Jim Joyce, it's Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Wednesday, man. We got this like, like, you know, last Wednesday, it feels like it feels like a, two months ago, you know, watching. I know. I, I've been joking around that it still feels like, I don't know, December 47th. 2020 just because all this shit that's going on um it's it's kind of yeah. crazy and you know i i don't know if you miss it but um i was talking to tony Estrella earlier today and i haven't even thought about jpm just because i don't know marine and i were just executing and not worried about it right now you know i got invited to a bunch of things but i just kind of uh, aside from startup health tomorrow nothing really you know staying away but Tony's kind of like, yeah, but I, I, I'm like, so I, I don't miss it. But Tony was like, I kind of miss it. I'm, I'm yeah, like, you know I what? Miss- and he started talking about serendipity and meeting. And I'm like, you know what? I got nostalgia now. Like I do. Total nostalgia. I was like, why would I go? Why would I do, you know, Zoom or team video conferences for JP Morgan? But a lot of people are, you know, it's like everyone saying there's a ton right, of people right. doing it. Right. But yeah, no, I totally miss it. It's one of those, it's kind of love hate relationship for most people. Like I have a lot of, I have a lot of love. I have a lot of love. So I, I enjoy, I really enjoy I, it. I, <laughs> I agree. I, I've been honestly keeping busy, um, you know, sort of launched the DTX podcast last week. And it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of work. It's not like you and I just shooting some shit and having some awesome guests on. I mean, uh, it's a lot of work. I have to say Kendall is yeah. making me work, but, um, yeah, he's, so. he's a pro, he's a pro. He, he's he is a pro. Um, uh, so speak, speaking of JPM, um, this is kind of interesting. I was just catching up with, uh, John Halleck and he is like, dude, uh, dude, you know, like you, you must have Scott on, and I'm like, okay. I don't think actually I've met Scott. I don't think you've met Scott. I haven't met Scott before, no. No. So this is a first for us where usually one, at least one of us knows the person. So this will be interesting. It's kind of like, you know, replicating the bar thing. It's kind of like John Halleck is like, hey, come over. And then he runs away, right? Like, so let's pretend that. <laughs> <laughs> but John's been a fan. John's been a fan of the podcast. And John's up, yeah, John yeah. just joined yeah, I uh, just one one thing. I remember he was saying, like, "Hey, let me you know have Glenn on the show too at the time at, at Livongo. and I'm like, "Dude, have you watched any of them? Are you sure we're just kind of <laughs> shooting the shit?" So, so on that note, um, let's uh, let Scott Shreven. Excellent. I'm looking forward to this. So we got. This is our, this is kind of I suppose it's our J.P. Morgan. This is our J.P. Morgan uh, podcast here, right? This, this is, is our, the J.P. Morgan podcast, indeed. So we we have him now on uh, sound, and okay, he's excellent. coming up on. Hey. There we go. What's up, guys? How's it going? Welcome, hey, Scott, welcome. Nice to meet you. Thank you. So I, you know, I mean, obviously John kind of, you know, I don't know if you know the background on this, but it's basically Jim and I usually were shooting the shit at the bar at JPM. This is the JPM week. And we would say, you know, all these discussions just kind of happen and then let's capture it. Right. Um, And so this is trying to replicate it, but we're just joking around. This is kind of like John saying, hey, come over here. And then he runs away. And then we're kind of like looking at each other, the three of us. Right. So that's how we uh, kick it off. All right, I love it. It's all good, man. But you've got a like you have a big like beyond running a massive enterprise. You have a, a very popular blog, 
blog or that's what it's it's a a crossover blog or something so you're in the digital health sphere constantly communicating ideas and thoughts right yeah so that yeah that's interesting so i uh it's funny because i started blogging back in like you know 2006 right and this is when uh it was just kind of coming into being and it was so weird because like at the time, like you're just writing this stuff, you have no idea. And all of a sudden people start reading it and writing and commenting and inviting you to speak. And, you know, right. it, it's so fa- it, fascinating. And actually for Crossover, our first opportunity came to us from someone who was following me on Twitter. And oh, wow. uh, it was an incredible Amazing. deal. It just happened to be a little small company called Apple. Um, but that was the introduction <laughs> was someone just DM me and uh, off to the races. So yeah, these things are, you just never know how these little conversations, to your point, Eugene, will turn out and yeah. what will happen. So. But, but yeah. before we dive in, because I'm, I've been fascinated with primary care and I love actually how you guys yeah. are using primary health. But before we do that, yes. so you're a doc, you're a surfer, like, I don't know you, Jim <laughs> doesn't know you, our audience, well, yeah. some may know you. Um, I, you've crossed yeah. paths with Matthew, Health 2.0. I mean, just so much yeah. history into all of this. Yeah, totally. So, uh, well, I can, I can give you the quick backstory. So I... Uh, I uh, was a, an economics and zoology major in college, uh, which is a wild combination. So instead of running a zoo, I decided to go into medicine and I found it was the same thing. So uh, I went to med school. Uh, my first two years of med school, this interesting story was in 94 and 95. So at the birth of the internet. So all my buddies were down in Silicon Valley, like doing all this cool stuff. And I'm like stuck in the library 12 hours a day, wondering if I made the worst decision of my life. Right. But I loved it. I had, I had, I loved the, the, everything I was learning the first two years, but then my third year of med school, you actually start going out uh, as a med student to practice. Right. And dude, I was getting up at like four in the morning to go chase labs and <laughs> go find x-rays and bring all this paper all over. And I was just like, are you kidding me? This is how we practice medicine. And uh, I was kind of just disillusioned. So I went through every rotation. Okay. It started with OBGYN and man, those people are miserable. I'm not going in that specialty. Okay, next one up, surgeons. Wow, those guys are miserable, but they're at least cool. And then the orthos, love those guys, but man, I don't want to be hammering on bones all this. So I went through every discipline and I just couldn't find what I love. And yeah. uh, it was really challenging for me. I was like, I kind of have an identity crisis and I finally got to the end and I'm like, you know what? I got to decide what to do. And so I went into emergency medicine. Okay. And emergency medicine is awesome. Uh, you work really hard, it's intense do all these crazy things. And then you're kind of off. You have a little bit of time to kind of gather yourself. But I, I chose that specialty because uh, I wanted the flexibility, the freedom to do a couple things. And um, I, I love the intensity and it kind of fit my personality. But what I realized, and this will tie back to this health 2.0 stuff was, man, every day I'm gonna do a great job. I'm gonna take care of my 30 patients. And then the next day I got 30 more. And the yeah. thing was, is that the nature of the conditions I was dealing with were like, they were, they're tough, man. I mean, only about 15 to 20% of emergency medicine is actually emergencies. You know, okay. full 50, 60, 70% is things that probably shouldn't be there or these social conditions that are just, you know, really challenging. And what am I supposed to do in the emergency room for that? Right. And, and then of course you're in the environment where I only see you once. And so I've got to do everything for you right now because I might never see you again. And so I always laugh at my primary care colleagues who they're like trying to like figure out all these algorithms to save a few bucks. and. When someone walks in my ER, I'm ordering a $50,000 test in like two minutes after talking to him. It's just like, it's so crazy. So coming out of that experience, I was like, gosh, how do I impact not 30 people a day, but could I do something, some business medicine and technology that could allow me to impact 3,000 people a day, 300,000 people. And so that was kind of my goal. And so I started my first company 
right outside of residency. And what I did is I rotated through the Veterans Administration during residency. They had actually a really cool system. And again, this is kind of 2000-ish right. where electronic health records are just kind of coming into being. And so I was a big open source guy. They have this free and open uh, available software that powers the Veterans Administration. You guys, taxpayers, uh, spent 10 or $8 billion building it. And so we took open source software, packaged it up, and sold it to uh, community hospitals uh, that, uh, that couldn't afford the big Cerners or the Epics of the world. And, and that's, what we, that's how I got introduced to this. And, and, and so, yeah, go And ahead. Scott, um, you know, so Jim and I are in Europe, but as American citizens, we still have to file taxes. Yeah. So it's, oh, yes, and, you know. <laughs> yeah, I knew you guys had escaped the, the domicile. So I was wondering if those taxes. So anyway, thank you, uh, Jim and, uh, and uh, Eugene for, uh, for paying for the Veterans Administration. But anyway, had a great experience there. I learned how to build companies. I learned how to raise money. We learned how to hire people to execute. And I had a little bit of an unceremonious exit from the company. And, you know, classic VC, you know, lessons learned as a first time entrepreneur. Um, but when I was removed from that situation, I was not super happy. And, uh, and so I just spent all that energy into writing and thinking. And again, going back to the blog. And this is actually where I met Matthew in Indu. And so I was part of that founding team that got Health 2.0 to kind of kick off. And we were at that very first no, conference. Oh, wow. you know, I had no idea. And writing. Yeah, yeah. So, Eugene, so I was... Eugene's one. I mean, I, st I started the, the New York chapter, right, which was like the second chapter yeah. behind San Francisco, and then Alex yeah. Fair took over. But, uh, you know, somehow we you just know? never crossed paths up until now. Yeah. This is crazy. You know, I was at those first three or four, you know, once you kind of got to the fourth or fifth one, it started to kind of drift, drift a little bit. But it was great, right? The energy was awesome. It was fantastic. You know, Matthew Holt and I started arguing, you know, from day one about, you know, what helped you. <laughs> as, all, as, as all relationships with Matthew, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was great. He, he took the tact that Health 2.0 would be these kind of widgets and, and tools and tech and stuff, which was, which was, which was partially what I, and I thought it was more going to be more systemic, new okay. models, new systems, new payment. And so anyway, I think we ended up both being kind of right, but but from that, this is where it all ties together, is I recognize that, wow, healthcare's got a lot of issues. I read a book, Redefining Healthcare by Porter and Teesberg, that really made me think different about what is value and, and what are we paying for and what outcomes are we literally getting and can we organize differently? And so I started writing and talking and thinking about this, speaking, as we mentioned, and then I started doing consulting projects and then I started managing practices, but I could never get people to go far enough or fast enough in, in that role. Right. And ultimately decided I've got to start my own thing. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to throw up a shingle. And that's where crossover was born. It was a direct to consumer primary care practice. We okay. added fitness right out of the gate. We, we didn't go the normal route. We had these guys who built surf shops. They, they designed our store. It was meant to look and feel different. The service level was different. We leveraged the heck out of technology. Was this in California in San Mateo or? It was in San, it was in a, a place called the Liso Viejo, which okay. is in SoCal, basically between San Diego and LA. Okay. And uh, we just opened the shingles. So what, were what the we patient's beds and, and, and benches were made out of surfboards or? I don't know. <laughs> they, they practically were, they could have been, that's all we had money for. But uh, you know, we, uh, we, we, we designed it differently. We'll, we'll go into that in a minute, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, it was, it was it was fantastic, but we realized that man, selling to the consumer one by one by one is really challenging. Right. And just at that moment, we were like, man, do we, you know, this is gonna take us twenty years to build a business. 
And were you right practicing at, time, at the time? Were you actually? I was. I was the original doctor, right? Okay. So wow. I was a primary care doctor with a, a, another partner and founder, and we saw patients, and that's we started. And so we were one of the first direct to prime to consumer primary care practices. But you know, again, was it, it was around the like same time model. as? Sorry, was it around the same time um, when Jay Parkinson in New York was doing? Or? Yes. Okay. So Jay okay. was about two years ahead of me and I actually saw what Jay was doing and I loved it. And we actually were trying to use the platform that he developed, Hello Health. Got it. Got so it. All these pieces, you can see all these threads tying together, right? Yeah. Right. And, and so it ended up being that right at that time, I got contacted by Apple. We went through this crazy process where we bid on the deal. Right. And just so you know, I mean, we got an RFP. It's like 500 pages long. It says, show me your last 10 years of financials, your 10 client references. And we're like, dude, I don't have any of that. So <laughs> we're not even going to try to answer those questions, but we're going to tell you what we believe. Okay. We're going to tell you how we think healthcare should be. You guys right. have disrupted seven industries. It's time to disrupt the eighth and we're your partner to do it. And, and, you know, it, it, you know, again, this whole Bold. long story, love it. We'll have to get together and tell it, but we, we ended up winning the business and against the advice of all the advisors and everyone. And Apple basically said, the reason we're going to select you guys, we love the vision. You guys feel like us and we have bet on startups before and we're comfortable doing that. Yeah. And we're going to do this. And I can't tell you, I mean, of, of all the mega opportunities at that time, I mean, this was unbelievable. It was unprecedented. And what was so fun is we got to go in with Apple and we built a, a part of the clinic in a warehouse, no joke. Yeah. And we sat there and we stepped this thing out. How could you design this so that it's just perfect for the patient? How many steps to the counter? Where does the light come down? I had no idea. You could spend three hours talking about the directionality of a light and why that matters, <laughs> but you can, and we did. And it was, it was fantastic, but we learned so much. And then we opened the onsite there. And then of course, Facebook came and like, Hey, you know, we went through this RFP process. We don't like it. We want to do something new. What's Apple doing? Hey, we never heard of crossover. Yeah. Why don't you guys come do ours? And, and then it just starts this slow march, you know, all these coincidences, all these very fortunate things. And, and, and great news for us, we were able to recruit great doctors, great team members. They did a fantastic job. We grew like crazy with Apple and Facebook. Applied Materials came, Microsoft came, Comcast came, and just started from there. And uh, what, and what came, crazy how did you come up with a name actually, crossover? Like, is there a significance yeah. to it? <laughs> there is actually. Um, uh, when I left my first company, I was in a little bit of a bad spot. Uh, wasn't super happy, but uh, crossover, right? That big X, right? So the logo, I took the logo, the other one, I put a big X through it. And that was our initial logo. But crossover, actually, uh, the better story is we were really trying to go from health 1.0 to health 2.0. Okay. And, and the challenge of doing that is you've got to cross this big chasm. Mm -hmm. And what is going to help you thread the needle? Then what we found is I can't really drag 1.0 into 2.0. I actually had to start de novo. And, okay. and that was really important. And the biggest innovation we did at the beginning was to get off fee for service. And okay. we had to learn how to get paid. Well, how can we create value that either members are gonna pay us or now these employers are gonna pay us. Right. And that yeah. was the biggest leap for us. And we had to figure it out. I mean, there wasn't a game plan, there wasn't anything we could follow, but we entered into this world of the self-insured employer. We didn't yeah. even know yeah. it existed. And these guys, <laughs> they pay for their own care and right. they just write a check. They don't even know like what's going on. They don't know what value they're getting and they just write a check. And what a lot of these early companies were doing, we call them health activists, employers. They're like, hey, I'm done with that. Listen, I know how to innovate. I know how to manage supply chains and my healthcare supply chain is totally unmanaged. Right. I, don't have, 
I'm just writing a check. And so forget that. I'm going to go direct. I'm going to engage a medical group to deliver broad spectrum primary care. And so this is now where primary, the term primary health comes from because it wasn't just the doctor and the nurse. If you're going to engage a lot of the population on the core needs that they have, you have to add physical medicine. Right. You know, PT, Cairo, Acu, and fitness. And, and health coaches, selflessly spoken. Okay, I'm getting the health coaches. The next part is you got to address the rest of the body, which is mental health, health yeah. coaching. And, yeah. and there are other services which we ultimately added, which is care navigation, right? And so this integrated, coordinated, comprehensive team came together and they were, right. they were applied to a specific population. It wasn't that you're getting some random doctor. You get to your doctor, your care team, and that became really important to establish the trust. Yep. One of the things I yep. want to say is the reason why we perform so well at Apple, as you guys know, they're all about the experience. Sure. But what sure. Everyone, everyone knows that. But what they don't know is the reason they care so much about the experience is because it builds trust. And we learned that, man, if we can build trust with the members, then we have the ability to do this. And to build trust with Apple employees at the time was not only a great service experience, but you had to have great tech. Right. And this is kind of ties us back to Jay and some other things. A lot of the concepts that Jay had, we were trying to apply as well. And, and ultimately, eight years later, we connected with Jay. Jay is now part of Crossover, which is just in another story we'll get to, I'm sure. But Wait, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize that. When did that happen? Yeah. So, but, so what, what happened? So, so Crossover started. Um, let's dial him in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Skip ahead. We started as on-site, right? So we would build these tricked out health centers on the corporate campus. And remember the Apple one, it's custom, right? So it looks like an Apple store. It's, it's unbelievable, right? And they spent the money to make it look like an Apple. We go to Facebook, it's steel, concrete, and pipes, you know? Yeah. And that, that works for them. You know, applied materials, they had another vibe. And so we could build these centers and, and operate them. But then the, the next pivot was to say, okay, that's cool, but there's not like infinite mega clients like this. How could we provide that same thing, but maybe have multiple clients or employers share it? And that was the near site. Okay. And so now we moved off campus into a tight geographic area where many employers could do it. And then what our realization was is, man, we're going to be like Blockbuster. Like we can't build enough of these physical centers to get there. We, we have to surround the rest of the population virtually. As it turns out, 70% of all the employees that we, we employers that we work with 70% of their people are remote to the headquarters or where we're building these centers. Okay. And so what we realized is like, listen, if we're going to provide this model to the whole population, you've got to add virtual. Right. And so that was two years ago. So to Eugene, to your question, at that time, I went back to Jay and I had stayed in touch with Jay. You know, he's a social media phenom. Yep. And yeah. we had stayed in touch and, you know, he had so many great ideas with Hello Health. Sherpa was the first virtual primary care, not an urgent care thing, right? It was, right. It was true yep. longitudinal care. And, and Jay had been through his own kind of challenges with, you know, the finance, you know, institutional investors and so forth. And so we were able to kind of come together after having that shared experience, bring his eight years of experience doing virtual care, kind of walking through the desert as the lone prophet, hmm. you know, talking about this. Right, right. And just bring it in house because we, we had arrived at the same conclusion is yeah. listen, we don't want to be blockbuster. And we want to move to more of a Netflix model, but we don't have to choose between them. We can actually be both. Right. And so where crossover has landed in this really beautiful spot where we are virtual first and then strategically in person. Right. And that is, that is an important phrase. And I, I can break that down. What that means is we start almost all the interactions online because it's efficient. It's asynchronous. It's fast. I can triage you. 
I can take care of you. And we might just be done at that point. That maybe that addresses the situation. Or if it doesn't, then let's right. get you in and we'll physically touch you and we'll uh, you know, get your vaccine or draw your blood or lay hands on you as appropriate for whatever the condition is. And it's really the combination that is so powerful. And, and that's really where we've landed now. So let me let me pause there. That's a lot to throw at you, but story. You want to yeah. jump in, but I get like I get it. So what's the what's the I, like loads of questions? What's the wildest as an emergency you know uh, <laughs> as an emergency room physician or in emergency medicine? Like what's the wildest like scenario that you've stepped into? And like are you just kind of when you like it seems like the perfect training for entrepreneurism is. <laughs> In, in retrospect, it really is fantastic for that because what happens is it's like, what's behind door number one? Like you never know when you walk in the room what it's gonna be. It could be someone who's got an earache. It could be someone who's suicidal. It could be someone who's got a roach, you know, they, they stepped on something. It could be someone who's got a knife in their belly. It's just like, and so the context switching is perfect for start, a startup company, right? Just okay. boom, 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 I'm all over. And what I always tell people, cause I'm a little bit, uh, you know, people are like, man, you're doing like five things at once. I'm like, I'm a trained hypertasker. Yep. I was trained I like to do 10 things I at once. <laughs> and so, so if that's helpful it. training. Yeah. We got we to gotta grab that one, Eugene. That he's a hypertasker. I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing it. Exactly. <laughs> which, which is kind of a weird thing. But what I did, you know, so, so that's, that's where that came from. But the craziest stories, you know, I, we could go on for, for days. But I mean, I saw you know, funny, crazy. And I saw really sad, crazy. Right. And so some of the funny, crazy, you know, just people with all kinds of implements inside their bodies where it probably shouldn't be roaches in people's ears and, you know, crazy stuff. Uh, I went, I was in the university of Tucson in Arizona. So there's a lot of desert stuff. So yeah. rattlesnake bites, scorpions, dehydration, you know, and unfortunately there's some terrible situations where, you know, people coming across the border being shot at and, you know, drug dealers kind of, you know, 150 mile hour, car oh, chases and eugene eugene i gotta crazy. we gotta break for we gotta break for a joke here the um so i'm, I'm <laughs> I on love a flight. Those. i was at it i i was at um a health excel you know health excel do you know health excel scott or you know one of the digital health know, like accelerator um, startup thing accelerator yeah. yeah but anyways they were running an event in mumbai and i was hopping on a flight from mumbai to singapore and a very healthy looking kind of young man on the flight, kind of, you know, kind of like almost like, you know, Abercrombie Fitch kind of dude, you know, walking across the, um, and he just collapses in front of me, right? And so, so, and this is what I'm thinking of you, Scott, collapses like right next to us. And, and we're on Singapore Airlines, which is like the slickest airlines in the oh, world. Oh yeah, they're smooth. And, yeah. and they're so slick and they're unflappable and they're, you know, and I miss just, those days of airlines. Flying. I know they, they went in, Scott, they went into total, total meltdown. Like I was like, it was strange, right? Total meltdown. And then sure enough. So, and then the crowds, so we're going from Mumbai. So it's, you know, it, it, it's the Indian people flying to Singapore. So the crowds start grounding around this guy and everyone's like, get back, get back, get back, get back. And then they're like, and then, so they finally fight everyone off to give the guy space to kind of look at the guy that just fainted. And then um, they go on the intercom. It's like, do we have a doctor in the house? And then, 70% of the plane stood up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a good place to be on a plane from Mumbai to Singapore. They're all doctors and um, they're either doctors or engineers. Yeah, and yeah, then they yeah. were yeah. like clearing the doctors away. <laughs> they were like, yeah, <laughs> no, 
that's great. But Anyways. you know what? Bef- before we jump to the next news, because you talked about you know Microsoft, tons of stuff. We just saw the um, the disassemblance of Haven, um, and we also know Amazon is a customer of yours. Yep. Yep. And I also know they've gone, you know, Whole Foods and they purchased, you know, there's a lot of activities in, in yeah. that umbrella. Talk to us, like, what is it yeah. like working with Amazon? Yeah. yeah. So, so first of Did all, Did they disassemble Haven because they're doing more work with you and they said, screw the rest? <laughs> of course. No. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I actually can't really comment. So one, one interesting thing about Amazon is they are so massive. And they're adding, when they add employees, they, they don't add like a couple hundred, they're adding 100,000 tranches of employees. Wow. And so, so it's such a big organization that it, you know, it depends on which part of it you're working with. So Haven, we were familiar with that team. We had met with them, but they were kind of off doing something separate. Yep. There's a small group of pilot activity going on up in Seattle, and we're not really privy to that. So the, the group that we hitched our wagon to was the operations group. And these are the guys that are doing the fulfillment centers, the logistics, mm-hmm. all of that. And the, the person who runs that is you know, the worldwide leader of that is a guy, gentleman by the name of Dave Clark. And Dave is known for his own bias for action. And he takes things seriously. And he really was adamant about getting primary care and getting access to the employees, but not just the employees, but they're also their dependents and not at or near the workplace, but in their neighborhoods. And so I love this project because, um, you know, we had bid, the, re- the reason we got to know Amazon is we had bid on their on-site center that they were going to do in 2017. And, and you know, we, we successfully competed for that. I think they really liked us, but they ended up not doing that. It never moved forward. But they knew us from that. And then when they were ready to move forward with the operations, they, they se- selected us as part of that uh, uh, process there. And what they're doing is so interesting. And this is why I love it. I'm going to say a term and I hope you guys can get it, which is the model that we practice that I like is that it's surround sound care that also streams, right? And what I mean by that, so think about what Amazon's doing. They have 50,000 employees in Dallas. And what they're doing is they're saying, okay, everyone in Dallas, you're going to have access to crossover virtually. They have a whole care team and they're dedicated to you. You're going to get to know them. And in addition to that, I'm going to build several small, what they call neighborhood health centers. And what the term we use is they're basically confirmatory centers. So they're nodes on the network, if you will. So you add this virtual network, you add a few physical nodes, and then they joined one of our near sites. And so what you create is exactly what I said. It's virtual first, strategically in person. And so they can access us 24 seven, they can access the care team. So we surround and envelop them. And in our model, any, any patient who engages with us, we're tracking over 40 different clinical metrics on every patient. So we right. know your social determinants of health. We know your prevention and risk screening. And we also know if you have any conditions, you know, like if you have asthma or diabetes or certain things that you need to check off for those guys. So right. everyone who engages with us gets that. And, and, you know, what I really respect about what Amazon has done is that they don't mess around, man. They're like, hey, we're going to do this in five states, five regions. And we want it done in five months. <laughs> and so that was five one is the magic number. We had to step into this and, you know, to recruit and to build and to implement. And, and so we've done it. And we now are launching our third region with them. We have two more. And again, this first phase of the project is only 100,000 employees. They have 800,000 in that one division. And so, so the opportunity here is to take this model. We've got to prove it out. I mean, Amazon is very metric driven, as you guys would expect. They're operationally incredible and they have high expectations that this model delivers on what it says. 
Sounds and, like you guys are as well, though. And that's the culture. Well, we had a, you know, listen, I mean, we, you know, they're no joke to work with. And many of our clients are the same way. They're very high demanding. I mean, these are, these are uh, just, you know, innovative, impressive companies in their own domains. And then they're, they, they walk into healthcare. It's like my experience as a medical student. I walk in, I'm like, what? This is healthcare? Like, this sucks. <laughs> I mean, like, let's do this better. So they're wanting to really apply the principles to execute. And so we've had to step into that. We've had to grow into that. But man, you know, you go through your reps with Apple and Facebook and Microsoft. I mean, those clients are also very demanding because they have a clear vision of what they want. And now we're kind of ready for like an Amazon to come in and really uh, be aggressive about how they want to go forward. So we're thrilled about this. Now, the question everyone asks is, well, well what's going to happen? You know, what's Amazon? And, you know, we just don't have insight into that. We couldn't speak for them anyway. But I'm, I'm thrilled that companies like Amazon, like CVS, like Walgreens, like Walmart, are getting serious about this. This is a huge national problem that we have with access, with care quality. And listen, bring all the innovators. And these guys happen to have capital to be aggressive about this. Let's get these models out there. And I love the fact that they're not just doing some cheap kind of urgent care telemedicine solution. This is integrated, coordinated, comprehensive primary health, the full set of services. You know, at Amazon, we added pediatrics because they really want the family to be taken care of. Our hours aren't eight to five at Amazon. They're from seven to 11 at night mm -hmm. and they're on weekends. And so we're adapting the model to address, you know, one of the most challenging uh, people to service who are working around the clock. And I just applaud their vision. I applaud their effort and it's a privilege to work with them. And I can't wait. I hope we're just getting started and we're just going to continue just to do this. I mean, can you imagine when 800,000 people have access to a model like this? Amazing. And, and Scott, no. when you think about like, so, you know, and I don't, I'm not interested in like, a, you know, I don't want to have you talk about a, a specific client, but when you think about this, you know, it sounds like in some of the people we've talked about, you have this kind of, you know, millennial, like I'm picturing this kind of, you know, engineers and probably generally fit people, you know, and, you know, what is, what would surprise you? What would surprise someone on the outside about their healthcare needs? Like, you know, you know, yeah. when you're, when you look yeah. across those groups. I, I think, and again, I, I appreciate that. And we, we you know, I'll, I'll share a, a couple things about that. Number one, when we first started, our first few clients were just these unbelievable Apple, Facebook, my, you know, that's incredible, mm -hmm. right? And so, but, but also it was funny because the negative of that was like, oh, you're just like tech elite, you know, healthy young people providing some gloss across the top. And that always used to bother me. And I'm like, you know what? That's not right. Like we, this model is so much more than that, but it was our Tesla Roadster days. I had to build the Epic sports car. I was with the elite employers, right. but, but we, we built the thing. We got the, the rails built, but now I could extend it. So the model S for us was to go to the near sites, open it up to more types of employers, right? right. And, then, and then you extend that further with virtual. I get more and more people because now smaller and smaller clients can join a model like this. Right. And then ultimately, I want this to be available to everyone. And so part of the building that we're doing gives us the infrastructure that I can take on individual members at some point. And that's really our goal. Our goal isn't just so, to- So back to D2C? No. Yeah, Jump in. Back to please. D2C? No, I'm kidding. When you said individual members, so I was just saying like, are you going jumping back to direct to consumer or being so, available? So had, here we go, Eugene, full circle, right? So we started direct to consumer. We went yep. to the employers. You're gonna, we're gonna expand to payers. And ultimately, do you just go right to retail again because you've built that infrastructure? And so yeah. I'm, I'm kind of charting a course and you can see how you have to take each step, right? You can't get 
right to the model three right away. You had to go through the roadster and the S right. And so yep. I think this is an evolution. It's a long game, but yeah. I mean, this is, this is it. This is what I wanted for my family. Like part of what I built here at crossover was exactly what I want. I wanted to have a relationship with a care team. I wanted right. them to be available all the time. I want to engage them with uh, online. Uh, and I want them to be proactive in monitoring my health with me in partnership. And if I need something in the secondary care system, I want to have someone help guide, steer, navigate me and make sure those loops are closed. Yep. And that's what we built. Is so, just to, just to, ahead, zero, to ask one more at that time, is there, is there something, you know, because I, you know, I, I agree with you. Like, I mean, it's what a, what a great way to kind of build a system, you know, that people are willing to invest in the design. And you talked about yeah. where the lights go in the room. Yeah. And, everything else and, and, but is there something that one, is there something that would surprise us about that group of people? Like even saying it, cause they're oh, important members. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I and didn't then, answer your question. <laughs> but then also like, you know, how are they doing now? Like, you know, I'm like, yeah. we need people like, like we're all like, I feel like, like companies like you're talking about their infrastructure right now. Like, thank God we had all these tech companies, you know, during the period we're in here. So is, is it, is there something that would surprise us about the people? Do, you know, is it like, like, yeah, a couple of things where, where I was going to go with that is, is, we got criticized initially because it was just like the tech elite, right? And then you start to spread. So let me go all the way to Amazon. Now I'm, I'm, I'm doing dealing with you know caring for warehouse workers in you know Kentucky and middle of the country and all these other things. So the health issues that we see are markedly different across the country and across these populations. Yep. But what's so fantastic is the chassis of the care model works perfectly. Okay. What I do have to do is I have to switch out parts. When I'm in Silicon Valley, I don't think it surprised you, but I'm going to have way more mental health issues, anxiety, depression, uh, stress uh, related things, coping, relationships, performance, uh, uh, a, lot, a lot of physical medicine, a lot of active people. Otherwise, when I'm in other places, now I have more social workers. I have more care navigators to access the rest of the system. I have more care programming uh, right. to get more healthy. So, but it's the same model. It operates the same, but the part, the constituent parts are different. <clears throat> So I don't and think you're virtual. Yeah, I don't know what we're seeing there, but anyway, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was saying, and you're virtual, right? And I think, um, you know, I'm, 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 my question would be, and we're not allowed to say, but you can raise the sign. So this is, you know, the C19 free zone. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, mentioned, oh, you even got the card. Holy. <laughs> um, uh, I love it. You're prepared. You know, you mentioned you guys are virtual first and tele first. Um, where do you think, I mean, let's presume you guys got into, I'm sure, vaccinations at the primary health level, all of that. Af oh. After, let's look at the world after. Televirtual stays, goes, still, yeah. still a component? I'll, What's your uh, prediction? I'll make, I'll make sure you get some, we have some really, really interesting graphics that show the whole pandemic. I have a graph on, on our care engagement throughout the whole year, right? And so what we're seeing uh, is, we started in, in January and February, which was our kind of core business. 90% was in person and only about five to 10% was virtual. Okay. COVID happens and it completely flips, you know, maybe 10% was in person and, and 90% wasn't. And then what I think is so fascinating is now you've seen the evolution. So over the ensuing six months, we've kind of landed in this really sweet spot where we're about 40% in person, 40% online, and 20% is all of our proactive work. One of the things that, 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 that this did, C19, was uh, it helped the employers see that, oh, you guys are actually a health monitoring service. I never right. thought of you that way. Because right. on a daily basis, they had to know the health status of their employees. Do you have symptoms or do you have a temperature? 
They never had to do that before. Right. The other thing, when someone gets COVID-19, they, they don't, um, it's not like, oh, I can do this in a 10 minute visit and you're good. Yeah. Like, like it's an evolving situation over weeks. And, right. and so our care team and the model, that's where that streaming care really comes into play. Like we're, we're continuously in touch with you. How are you doing? Do you have your medicine? Do you need transportation? Do you, you know, what else can we do for you during this time? So I think, I think what's happened is we've landed in a new equilibrium. I don't think we're ever going back to 90 10. I think we're going to kind of stay 40 40 and this new body of work, this proactive outreach, which really demonstrates the model. The employers finally get it. They see it now. They're like, Oh, I understand now. why oh, they, that's valuable. They also have to get it now. Right. I mean, they always they had to, to but it. now it's like, there's no freaking choice. Right. I mean, there are so many things, man, I'm, I'm going to pop this crazy question because I just saw, I think, uh, I think, uh, either Halleck, I mean, I saw the post. So you guys are on, on the NASDAQ screen in New York city, if I'm not mistaken, you know, John joined you, I think Katie Higgins, I, I don't remember yes, the yes. rest of the folks. Um, yes. And you're presenting a JPM tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. I did yes. some research. Um, IPO, man? I mean, are we the first ones going to yeah. ask you that question? Or I don't know. Oh, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I think everyone asked that question. But, uh, but Damn. No, so, I mean, here, here's the deal, right? So these businesses are typically very capital intensive to grow these primary care business, get all these centers stood up and so forth. One of the things that we did that was really smart was, uh, in, in our case, we, it was very capital efficient because the employers were paying for a lot of our first build outs, right? And yep. then we learned how to build them and then we could build them very efficiently. So we are always capital efficient, but you do need capital to grow. I have to be ahead of some of these things. I have to build a national virtual infrastructure for regions, you know, 10 to 15 people licensed in 10 to 12 states in every region those things cost money. And so we historically have been kind of VC and uh, p a private equity backed company. And, you know, our last raise was four years ago. Uh, we've been super efficient with that capital. We've continued to grow. Our metrics are getting into the zone where people start thinking, well, who, what other investors might want to access this? You got to start looking at public markets. You know, I'm really grateful for the work that One Medical and Oak Street have done to train investors about primary care models. And so, of course, you know, the way we always answer this question is, of course, we're looking at all the different options. I think the public markets are very interested and excited about models that demonstrate value that are growing rapidly. And so hopefully we fit that profile. So, you know, we can't really speculate on where that goes. But I think, you know, you guys are smart at reading the tea leaves and where all this all goes. But I will say a couple of things about the talent. One of the most exciting things for me is to have great people want to be a part of this mission. I mean, 10 years ago, we're kind of slogging it out by ourselves, you know, writing these blogs and building these centers. And we had no idea if anyone was paying attention. And 10 years later, to have the caliber of people like John, like Katie, like Dan, like Amy, and like all the others that are here as an entrepreneur, I mean, that is like, that is so awesome. And I'm so grateful. And I'm excited that this is the type of opportunity that will attract that type of talent. And I really think we're just getting started. You seem like... Uh just massively energized by this are you finding like now as the company gets bigger that you know your tasks change like you know eugene and i are both entrepreneurs and built up yeah. companies. you find like like i i love like the product side like you can see maybe yeah, you, yeah. like i love that that creation of the product do you find now that you now you're managing a system and is that you know yeah you know uh if you go back and you ask the other founders you know what's the most exciting part of the uh, phase of the company you know 
ask any founder, they usually go back to the origin story, the original, like winning Apple, winning Facebook. And that was so crazy how we did that. What happens, as you guys know, as you go through these different stages, you get, you get more and more people and you've got to start parsing more and more things away. And what I learned my first go round, remember, this is my first rodeo. I got kicked off the horse the last rodeo. So this rodeo, <laughs> I know how to hold on a little different. And one of the ways you hold on is by letting go. And by getting great people who can take those tasks who are better at it than you and stepping aside. And so I feel like with these latest rounds of hires, you can see exactly what we're doing. You know, John's coming in and he's introducing us to the whole investment community, a group we've never really talked to. We've been very much under the radar. Okay. A new marketing person to get us out there. Katie's coming on board to take on the revenue. You know, getting to $100 million of revenue is great, but we've got to get to 500, right? And so, you know, who's going to help you do that? And, and and, and Dan and others opening up new channels for us. So we're so excited about that. And I am energized and, and my role does have to change. Now, one of the things that you guys both know also is I've got a lot of habits from being the guy who was sweeping the floors and getting involved in everything all along the way. So I'm learning to let go of all that stuff. It's okay if that period at the end of the sentence isn't quite right or the font isn't right on this thing or that. <laughs> so that's my development is how do I get away from that and really start to do the things that are unique to my role. Did you, uh, did you cry when you got the Apple contract? Dude, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was like every pore of your body was like put into this thing. And it, and it was like, it was tears of just exultation, joy, pain, suffering, torture, whatever. It's just everything at once. <laughs> not, not sure exactly what the feeling is, but that's a good yeah. description of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was not very, that's a medical description, by the way. So, uh, yeah. yeah, what's the ICD-10 code for that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we should come up with Fantastic, one. Fantastic, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm the negative Nancy here because uh, we're yep. sort of coming up to, uh, I, I know we've stretched it last year a bit, Jim, you know, um, but well, um, are you going to come awesome. You're going to come international, uh, Scott. Are you going to? Good question. Oh, so, uh, so a couple of things. So, I was going to ask you where you are in Ireland because uh, one of our projects with Apple, as you know, global operations, and so yeah. we actually are providing the software that powers the clinics in Ireland and also in Singapore. Ah. And so ah. we 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 don't we don't run those, so they're run by a third party, but it's our software that that historically has operated those. And a lot of internationalization kind of issues and stuff, but it's been been a great experience, yep. and, and Apple's done well running those yeah, clinics. So that's been our. Yeah, I mean, I, actually, if you you know, if the first place to go is you should put this in Ireland because the, um, you know, obviously we'll put the tax aside, but the um, but <laughs> but but you know, with all that Facebook headquarters and Google headquarters. Hey, I'm gonna. I just got to to Spain like a couple of months ago, but Canary Islands four percent tax rate. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. California, we're trying to tip into the 60s, so hopefully, uh, yeah, the employer, yeah. The employer now, like, yeah, I know we're going to run off the air here, Eugene, but like the employer, like, I feel like, see, it's very different, as you know, I'm sure Scott, know when you're in Europe, is that you know, as an employer, like, we have 40 people, and you know, Health Beacon, where my role now in terms of being concerned about the health. Is yeah. just because you know because we're not you know you know the private insurance doesn't run through the employer the way it does in the states right you know so you're not you know it's not the central uh, provider mm -hmm. insurance the employer here but now like you're so concerned and you have such a role and you have to make policies that are just so different that I would think that the you know the role the employer is going to take is just changing so fast right now. It is, and, and I think you know. Yeah. So I think what's, what's happened is, and we saw this a long time ago was that the employer is a very innovative pair, right? right? They just never thought of themselves that way. 
And I think as the dollar amount that they're spending on healthcare and the percentage amount continues to go up year after year after year, they just can't not avoid it. I mean, the example that's always used, if you know, Starbucks pays more for healthcare than they do for beans and Ford more for healthcare than they do for steel. I mean, that's a, that's a competitive problem. No, I mean, they're going to have to address it. So now you're seeing CFOs and CEOs get involved. And one of the things just to mention is, you know, as they look around, they're like, what is the problem here? Why doesn't this work for us better? And, you know, they start to look around for models that work. And one of the models that seems to be catching on and getting some traction is, you know, in the Medicare Advantage space, right? There's so many different innovations, these care models that wrap around these populations that have unique set of services and so forth. And I think a lot of times the, the commercial employers are like, hey, where's my uh, Medicare Advantage equivalent? And one of the things that yeah. we try to teach them, we try to coin this word is that crossover, if you think about it, we're really a commercial advantage plan for you. We have a broad set of services. It's primary care. We're purpose built for this unique population. We're technology enabled. We're proactive in our care model and we're willing to take on risk and accountability for the outcomes. Yeah. And so now they're starting to say, well, wow, okay, now we're talking. Okay, well, how do we get more people into these models? And again, our dream is not to just work for the tech elite or whoever, but to really expand to open this to everyone. And one of the things I didn't mention about the Amazon project, I love it because these are warehouse workers. These are people who maybe have health insurance for the first time in a, ever or a long Remember, time. Right. They have real issues. They have physical issues. There's mental health issues. There's social issues. And just like any big company, but what I'm saying is that this model is purpose built for this. This isn't just for healthy young engineers in Silicon Valley. Fascinating though. Like I just think about um, just keeping like, cause the difference now for us as an employers is, is like whether I can open my business or not. So it's not just like, you know, yeah. I have a KPI or okay. 10% people, I, you know, I got 10% uptake in the flu vaccine. So, so I, you know, I get some days back for work or something or some theoretical, but now it's like, like, yeah. like I'm looking at my offices is like, it's like my air quality. I got to think about my <laughs> registration procedure, well, you know, I love where you're going. So, so here's what happened, right? These health, these HR people that were kind of in this sleepy job, not trying to create any waves. They are now front and center. They are public health officials. Right. Yep. And they have no idea what they're doing. And, and when COVID came, I mean, one of the things we did is we want to put out a framework for them to even think about this. You got to screen, you got to evaluate, you got to test and you got to treat. How are you going to address those things? Do you want people on campus? You're going to keep them off. And so, you know, that was a big morass. And so we provided, you know, one of the fun things we did, we were a technology company too, right? We built our own software. So we built what we call Passport. And what it is, it's a self-assessment. You just, you know, uh, you check your temperature, you ask the questions and you can get a passport to come on campus. And it was very simple when it started, but now it's starting to say, well, okay, well, what about testing? What about your antibody testing? What about your vaccinations? Who's right. keeping those records? And are you going to have to show those? To go somewhere is are you gonna need a passport to get on the airplane that doesn't show that you've been vaccinated but shows that you have antibodies and i wrote a paper or a piece called proof of immunity and i think this is where this is going and i don't know if it's dystopian or if it's like a great thing but like are you gonna have to show your proof of immunity to get into a concert to go to a movie you know and maybe you will and, and then the question is well who is your healthcare notary who is signing off that that thing that you have on your phone is actually legit and i think that's going to be an emerging role for medical groups is to be a healthcare notary to author to say yes that test was legit i'm going to stand behind them put my name on it and now people can use it to have access 100 qr code it yeah. i don't know <laughs> i don't know about it's a it qr either. code it's very i'm very ambivalent about it because it's a lot of social liberty stuff but you know you, yeah i mean it's, it's a tough and only time 
yeah. time will tell, right? But I think, um, honestly, my, my eyes are all in Israel now as they're so aggressive in vaccinations, right? Um, That's me too. I'm, I'm obsessed um, And um, I was actually uh, talking to Offer from Happify yesterday, and he was reading yeah. me something yeah. in Hebrew, um, translating an article that some early, early data points is that actually the, uh, the infection rates are subsiding in certain areas with more oh, vaccination. Great. So that's let's great. see, you know. Yeah. Anywho, um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop us just because we can keep going for hours, it feels like. Um, and I think our <laughs> listeners and viewers already have uh, Zoom fatigue and podcast fatigue. So um, it was awesome, man. This, this worked out. I was a little nervous, oh, I have we, to say, Scott. Yeah, yeah no, I, I really enjoy it. I mean, appreciate your work. I was able to watch a couple of your uh, podcasts before. And it's so great to have people just trying to get the real story. And, you know, yeah. um, one of the things I say, and, and maybe we'll leave with this, is you know, for any entrepreneurs out there, you know, it, it's going to feel like you walk through the desert for a decade uh, and that mirage just keeps extending. But if you just persist, it's there. And, and what I like to say is, you know, I love that phrase, uh, gradually, then suddenly, yep. you know, this, people might look at us and like, hey, we're, we're, we're like an overnight success, you know, 10 years in the making. Yeah. And yep. what I love about this is if you just persist, if you can get great people around you, if you can have a great vision, mission, and the passion, and you stay with it, you can just begin to will some of these things to happen. And in our case, we had to wait a little bit for the market to catch up. Uh, we had to wait for some things to drop for us. We had to wait for some of these contracts to happen. But now I feel like we're really at that moment where we hope to get this model as far and as wide as possible to as many people who need it and will just tremendously benefit from it. And that's what I love waking up and doing every day. And that's where that energy comes from. That's where that passion comes from. And again, really awesome. appreciate having a few minutes to share with you guys. So gradually. This was fantastic. Gradually and suddenly. I love it. I love it. Exactly. Awesome. Scott, thanks, man. And um, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll try to tune into your presentation in case you'd make some announcements tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> Cheers. All right. we're, always, we're always dropping bombs. Okay. Thanks again. Yep. See you guys.